Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi. Siri. Welcome to High Theory. In this podcast, we get high on the substance of theory. I'm Kim Adams. And I'm Sharonik Bosu. We are two tired academics trying to save critique from itself. Hello, and welcome to today's episode, which is titled The Right to Maim. And I am here today with Basam Siddiqui. Basam, would you mind introducing yourself? Sure. Um, thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. Yeah. So my name is Bassam. I am a fourth year PhD candidate um, at the University of Michigan in English. And broadly, I study the medical humanities, uh, disability studies and post-colonial studies. And t- today I will be talking about um, Jasper K. Poir's book, The Right to Maim. What the heck is The Right to Maim? Let me sort of just sort of preface this, like the context uh, of the term and where it comes from. So Jasper Poir, who's very much known for her book, Terrorist Assemblages and the, and the mm-hmm. term homo nationalism. So in, 20, in 2017, she came out with this book called The Right to Maim, Debility, Capacity and Disability. And... Basically, what she's trying to do is stage a very important intervention into disability studies, right? And and the book has four chapters, but the one that I'm most interested in is the last one in which the, she theorizes the right to maim, right? And that and she's theorizing that term or that phrase within the context of the Palestinian situation, right? So the occupation of Palestine. Um, and and so and we all know this, like you know, even from the Kashmiri context, for instance, right? Um, so in Palestine, for instance, um, the the Israeli army they they shoot to maim um, uh, Palestinian protesters, right? So they wouldn't actually you know shoot to kill; they would like use pellet guns to sort of injure them in their knees or in their arms, etc., right? To render them disabled. She doesn't discuss the Kashmiri context as much, and that's actually taken up by Anjali Reza Kolb in her new book, Epidemic Empire, which is also a really interesting text. In this one, Puar is basically trying to theorize what is happening here in this sort of disproportionate response to Palestinian protesters within Foucault's model of biopolitics. What she says is, so, you know, we know that with Foucault, uh, you know, in his model of sovereign power, there is this axis, right? So for Foucault in sovereign power, 
the sovereign has the power to make a person die or let the person live, right? right. So make, die, let live. And then in biopower, these axes are switched, right? So let live becomes let die and make die becomes make live, right? Because for Foucault in biopower, uh, the state and non-state organizations, what they do is they want to infuse life through and through the populace. What they're doing instead of making die, like the sovereign king, for instance, unlike the sovereign king, they make live. And so within these four axes, let live, let die, make die, make live, Jasper Poir introduces will not let die. That is the right to main. The injuries, right, and the debilitation of the Palestinian protesters, right? So the Israeli state isn't killing them, right? It's not letting them die. And that's basically what for Poir is the right to main. Her concept of debility, right? And this is another really interesting thing that she does. So what she's saying is that, you know, we have this sort of very hackneyed way of making a binary between the non-disabled and the disabled, right? And and she says that we all exist on a continuum mm-hmm. of ability to capacity, right? So in Palestine, for instance, like the, the maiming of, of Palestinians, that's a very spectacular kind of violence, right? right? So that's something that we immediately recognize as disabling. Right. But she then, you know, telescopes from that and says, well, there are these other like everyday things, right, that can render us debilitated, but mm. which actually like disability scholars have not considered as disabilities, right? And she says that those are dis- debilities, right? So she says that racism is a debility because that affects, you know, people's lives every day. Um, Non-heteronormative sexual orientation is a debility because it exposes you to certain kinds of violences. And then she looks at it within the scope of global capitalism, right? You know, workers, you know, I mean, so many workers get injured on the job every day, right? And, And so she's basically saying that with under late capitalism, debility is kind of the norm. And there are certain bodies which are there to be maimed, um, already they're already marked to be maimed by the capitalist enterprise. You have expanded the scope of the right to maim and especially the the concept of debility. So let me let me ask my next question, which is how do we use the right to maim? And I, I guess like a like a re- related question of how do we use the concept of debility? The right to maim is useful in the sense that. Uh, and debility too. And I think that they're very much related, right? It can be used, I think. So I think the most powerful use of this in Boire's book, at least, is to decenter what a lot of scholars have called white disability studies. You know, even though 80% of the world's disabled population lives in the global South, a lot of the theorization of disability comes from the global North, so from Europe and America. And, And so there's this kind of lack of intersectional analysis, right, of how disability is part and parcel of racism or of of race, right? And gender. So I think disability, what it does is it brings into the purview of disability studies, debilities that haven't been necessarily understood or studied within disability studies, right? So, I mean, and then we could include even caste if you're looking at a South Asian context, right? Um, So caste becomes a debility. Disability scholars from India, for instance, Anita Gai, and, you know, a lot of these other scholars have been doing that work too. So I think the, the most, it's most useful in sort of kind of, as a critique, of um, hegemonic disability studies. It's definitely important to note that we are recording this episode in the wake of heightened 
anti-Asian violence absolutely in the US and you know especially with the with the horrific incident that happened in Atlanta I'm kind of wondering how who are things of debility or the concept of debility and the concept of minority together let's say because you talked about race and sexual orientation as things which makes yeah. you more vulnerable
And I sort of coming from a post-colonial studies, empire studies perspective, I find that problematic. As, and, and, you know, authors such as Alexander Vahilia, for instance, have written that there are certain populations who haven't been considered human at all. And, and yet some scholars are already going to the post-human, right? And they're washing yeah, their hands yeah. with the human, right? And and so for me, Poir's work is most, was useful. So I, I wrote this article on this um contemporary British novel called An Anatomy of a Soldier, which is basically about this British soldier who is working with NATO in Afghanistan, and then he loses his legs, right, to a bomb. And yeah. and then he sort of um, gets prosthetic legs and, and you know, prosthesis um, and, you know, sort of disabled technology, disability technology has been kind of theorized as a sort of very post-human thing, right? But what was sort of troubling to me was that those prosthetic legs come from the same system, which also produces other cyborgian technologies like unmanned uh, aerial vehicles or drones. This sort of post-human vision is very um, sort of non-innocent, right? So, and so we need to be more critical, you know, yeah. when we're... And then so in this kind of my takedown of post-human disability studies, Poir was most useful. Poir really helped me sort of critically analyze that text and um, hold disability studies to account. That sounds like a brilliant article and I look forward to reading it and I'm going to link it in our show notes. Thank you. Thank you so much, Basam. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, and thank you for listening to High Theory. If you like our podcast, please review and subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, Patreon, or wherever you get your podcast fix. Sharonic Bosu manages our social media presence. Owen Quinn composes our theme music, and Kim Adams and Sharonic Bosu edit our audio. You can also find us at hightheory.net. We hope you have a highly theoretical day. <laughs>